You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Good afternoon, Yankees fans. I'm your host, Thomas Carinante. Today, Adam Weinrib is out, but we have a replacement for him just for the day, not forever. Um, Max Mallow is with us. He's the managing editor of Double Tap, property of Minute Media. Minute Media also owns Fansided. So here we are getting everybody together. Max is a Mets fan, so we're going to talk Yankees-Mets. And before I introduce Max, we have a few other things to go over here quickly as we run down the list. Um, A lot of people have been asking if I can solo handle a pod with a guest. Um, Adam is usually the driving force here, but I think I'll be able to, uh, to handle it. Um, maybe with 10 live viewers, I, I, I think we could do it. Um, we're going to go over Yankees blue Jays quick series recap, because we don't want to dwell on the bad vibes and all the stuff that's been resulting from that. Um, it hasn't been fun, but we had a glimmer of hope over the weekend with this Aaron Boone got pissed as shit. And that was awesome. Garrett Cole nearly starting beef with Alec Manoa on the field. Need more of that. Simply need more of that if we're going to contend and if we're going to avoid these teams from breathing down our neck as September approaches. Um, And then, of course, we got the Subway Series preview. Folks, be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Mailbag question. Hit us up on Twitter. It's the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. We're having a good time. We're ripping this team left and right, but we want things to get better. So in the meantime, guys, warm welcome for Max Mallow, managing editor of Double Tap. Max, how you doing, man? Hey, Tomasi, thanks for having me on, brother. You know me, but, you know, we're good friends. Obviously, Adam and I are friends as well. Um, You know, we just love talking baseball. We love talking New York baseball, and there's no better time to do it with the second Subway Series of the year coming up at Yankee Stadium. Hopefully, rain kind of holds off. Seen some reports online that maybe we'll be able to squeak out a game today, which would be great. Obviously, I want to see Scherzer again. I want to see Jake tomorrow. If it's a doubleheader tomorrow, so be it. But, you know, what's been going on this year with the Yankees, you can't ignore it, right? Ungodly start. As a Mets fan, I've been loving this season. A lot of hate online. I'm sure we'll talk about that. 
in both fan bases, right? But at the rate that we both started the year at, it's you know, for me, it's hard. I think it's the best Mets team I've seen of, of my lifetime. You know, obviously we had the World Series in 2015. The 016 was sick. 2007 was just a depressing nightmare that I tried to just block out completely of my childhood. But this team's been great, and it's hard, you know, as a baseball fan and even as a Mets fan to not know what's been going on in the Bronx for the first two-thirds of the season. It's been unreal. And then to see what's going on now, we've been talking a lot, and just it's it's – it's crazy. Um, I'm excited to talk Yankees baseball. This Blue Jays series, which I had my eye on, was insane. Um, and I'm excited to talk about the Subway series as well. Yeah, let's pop into this Blue Jays series. And by the way, a quick note on the Mets. Um, I've been watching – I'm a Mets sympathizer. I'm a, I'm a Yankees fan who roots for the Mets. I have friends that are Mets fans. So why, why have it be unenjoyable? Um, I like to root for the Mets. Um, I pull for them. And this is a different Mets team. I watch a lot of Mets every single year. Um, that comeback yesterday against the Phillies, that is something the Mets of yesteryear do not do. Um, various other victories that they've had this year are very uncharacteristic. So the vibe in Queens has been changing. It's been for the better. It is very Yankees-esque, but maybe it'll be Mets-esque and the Yankees will slip back into oblivion. But four-game series against Toronto, Yankees had that deflating um, series, against, uh, series loss against the Red Sox um, last weekend. They come in. They lose that Sunday, uh, they, that Sunday night game, three nothing. Michael Waka pitched, destroyed the Yankees. It was a two hour and fifteen minute finish. The Yankees roll into a series with the Rays. They lose the first one four nothing. They lose the second one three one. So they, at this point, they had scored one run in three games. They come into that series finale against uh, the Rays, um, and that one we thought kind of turned the season around. You saw it, Max, Josh Donaldson's walk-off grand slam after Chapman um, gives up three runs in the 10th. They're down 7-4. Um, uh, Donaldson pokes one over the right field seats with the bases loaded. Yankees win 8-7. You think it's a springboard for momentum. Hold on a second, though. Um, Blue Jays come to the Bronx. This is essentially the Yankees' chief competition right now. Um, we've all seen the Rays this year. This is not a Rays, a typical Rays team that we've seen since, like, 2019. Um, so I don't think anybody's necessarily scared of them. The Blue Jays have the bats. The Blue Jays have the pitching. This is I know they're tied with the Rays right now, but this is more of the team that's going to challenge the Yankees down the stretch. Jays come in series opener with their worst pitcher, Jose Barrios. Um, they win nine to two. Um, then next game, Kevin Gossman versus Jamison Tyone. The Yankees were the favorites in that game. It was a fake favorite though. You know, it was like minus one twelve and minus one oh eight. Don't know how they were the favorites. They were, I think, up until this point, they were three and thirteen um, in the month of August. So I don't know how you list the Yankees as favorites against anyone, unless it's one of the worst teams in the league. Yankees lose that one for nothing. Then Garrett Cole start um, on Saturday, which we're going to talk about briefly because Garrett Cole unraveled, and then we're going to have these discussions about aces in New York, what they can handle. First of all, Yankees offense scoring one run off Mitch White. Absolutely egregious. However, that does not absolve Garrett Cole of what he's done and the struggles that he's had. This is a start where your ace, and Max, you know a lot about aces because you got two of them and you've had Jacob DeGrom for years. Um, This is the start where your ace just simply needs to go seven shutout. That's just it. Um, And in my opinion, I don't think the Yankees would have won this game unless Garrett Cole went eight shutout. Um, but Garrett Cole was up until this point, I don't know if you were paying close enough attention, um, was throwing a no hitter heading into the fifth inning. 
Um, he had walked one batter. That was it. He was mowing down everybody. Um, then the fifth inning came, and he approaches the bottom of the Jays lineup. And I don't really know how this happened. Um, he gave up a double to uh, Santiago Espinal, which, you know, Santiago Espinal has been playing good this year, so someone's going to get a hit off you, whatever. Um, then he walks Danny Jansen, the uh, backup catcher who's hitting 197 on the year, which to me is seems to get spooked with a runner in scoring position. You just have to attack that hitter. There's, there's no way um, that that's at all ace-like performance. Um, especially when you're the highest paid pitcher in the league, that's the hitter you have to get out. Then Jackie Bradley Jr., former Red Sox, Red Sox uh, outfielder comes up, pokes one into left field, very tough play for Benintendi, two-run double gives um, the Blue Jays the lead. And if you're a Yankees fan watching the Yankees this year, you will sit there and say, great, one-run deficit in the month of August, that is the deficit, and now the game is over. Um, that said, 2-1 lead, Garrett Cole had already coughed it up, um, with his mistakes, then he kind of fell victim to shaky defense. Um, Ryan Tapia, the Jays' top of the order, comes up after that. Uh, he pokes a ball to shortstop. Isaiah Connor-Falefa double clutches and then bounces the throw to first. I, I, I don't know. The, it was ruled an infield single, so it was what it was. Um, and then Vladimir Guerrero Jr. reaches on an infield single because um, Cole fielded the ground ball that was hit to him and tripped and fell and wasn't able to get him out. Um, and then Alejandro Kirk hits a double into left center. My opinion, I don't know if any other fans felt this way, was uh, Andrew Benintendi took a bad route on that ball. Um, dove in the outfield like a total idiot. Um, two runs come in. It's 4-1 at this point. 4-1 means you might as well just sim the game to the bottom of the ninth at this point because they are not scoring the runs that they need to. Um, so at this point, Garrett Cole finishes his start. He ends up going six innings. However, it ain't good enough. You can't pitch six innings, give up four runs on five hits and two walks after giving up one walk in four innings of play. And that at that point, the Jays had took the first three games of the series. The division league coming into the series was 10 games. Now it's seven. Now you're crapping your pants heading into Sunday, the finale of a four-game set. Um, so, you know, I know Mets fans have had a lot to say about Garrett Colmax. Um, and as someone who you've seen various – uh, you've seen various um, Jacob deGrom outings just be fully wasted over the years. Um, I want to know what, you know, what the true baseball, logical Mets fan, baseball fans view of Garrett Cole is. A lot of Yankees fans are very critical of him, which is understandable. A lot of Yankees fans kind of defend him blindly. I don't get the, the extreme dichotomy here, but I want an outside perspective. Someone who has seen this type of pitching, someone who knows what, you know, the ace needs to bring to the staff. What, how are you feeling about Garrett Cole? Yeah, I mean, look, with Garrett Cole, one, he's going to be, no matter what, always thrown into a conversation with comparisons to Jake, to, in the past, Noah, to whoever, right? Obviously, Max coming to New York this year. Um, and with how many starting pitchers were on the market this offseason, which, or this past offseason, which, I mean, it's kind of weird to go and think that far back, right? But considering that the offseason was so just – toxic in the air in the media on, on social media of just like Donaldson and IKF those are your two big moves and then you go off to the pace that you start at and you're like well maybe we don't know what we're talking about and the Yankees are just a really good team right yeah. um it it's it's always going to fall on Garrett that he's just under more scrutiny the the sticky stuff last year the the interviews the 
the post game, what was it this year with Billy Crystal who delayed his start and people were like, why is Garrett complaining about Billy Crystal? It's just like, it's just going to fall under so much more scrutiny than any other pitcher will in baseball, right? If you pitch in New York. Um, the thing to me is like, okay, I look at the Blue Jays series and we know the Blue Jays have three big names in their rotation, Barrios, Gossman, and Manoa. And if those guys are going, you know, they have a shot in any series. But if I'm the Yankees and I'm seeing or I'm a Yankee fan and I'm looking at this team in this series, you know, you have Nestor in game four and you have Cole in game three. Who went game one? Montas, right? So um, yeah. you look and you're like, okay, well, who knows what happens in game one and two, but we have our ace. We have our 300 plus million dollar man, whatever the contract number was, right? Going in game three. Yeah, 324. So you got him and you got Nestor going in game two, who's been just it's fun to watch Nestor pitch if you're whoever you are. He's he's crazy, does strange stuff with his windups and his motions, but he's a fun guy to watch pitch and he makes baseball fun and exciting. So you're like, okay, cool. Worst comes to worst, we get out of here with a split and you know, that's it. Right. But I I don't know. Garrett's a bit of a uh, a mystery. I don't want to say he can't necessarily handle the pressure because I'm not watching every single Garrett Cole start, but I feel like whenever his name comes up, it's uh, a start in Detroit that goes really, really bad in the defense behind him, and there's blue pits, and there's infield singles, and all that type of stuff. Um, I expect him to, you know, do that. You got to go six, seven, and you got to go shut out one run, two run ball at minimum, right? Um, yeah. Especially against a team that I'm sure the Blue Jays looked at this Yankee series coming to town for four, and they're like, okay, you know what? This is our time. We're going to close the gap at all and make this a bit of a run for the last month and 10 days of the season. It has to start with this series. And, I mean, credit to the Blue Jays. They played their baseball. We know their lineup has big names in it. You know, they can hit the bombs. They can get those long rallies going. But, yeah, I mean, it sucks because I look at Edwin Diaz, and I've dealt with Edwin Diaz for, what, two years of Ed lose and just it's it's never going to happen. And, oh, hey, look, Edwin Diaz didn't blow the game this time, right? And now all the Mets fans are, are reaping the benefits of him being lights out this year and him going from, you know, the guy that nobody liked to being the fan, the internet sensation, talking about on Pat McAfee and all that type of stuff. So I feel like at least my perception of, say, you know, the Yankee fan, you were Adam, it's just like Garrett. You go seven shutty, we'll praise you. We will love you as the ace of this of this rotation. But it's just like it just kind of keeps getting in his own way at times. And it's it's gotta be frustrating because Jake doesn't really get in his own way. The offense gets in his way. Yeah. And we don't score runs for him. It hasn't so much happened with Max this year. That first Jake start back in Washington, I was like, here we go again. Like he sold his soul to the devil to be the best pitcher of all time. And in exchange, we will never score runs with him. Uh, for him but I, I feel like you want to praise Garrett you want to love Garrett and you want him to be good but there are just things that come up where it's like it's unavoidable you got to talk about it and uh, it's got to be frustrating yeah I mean I'll answer the question for you I don't think he can handle the pressure I think that's the problem um, you know you look at Garrett Cole my biggest thing before they signed Garrett Cole to this monster deal was that Garrett Cole never really shouldered the load of leading a pitching staff um, Pittsburgh you're in Pittsburgh. I don't really care what anybody says. You can be an ace in Pittsburgh. That is not the same thing as being an ace in a big market. Um, and then he went to Houston where he was second best to Justin Verlander. Played out of his mind, was arguably the Cy Young that year. Um, 
if you really, uh, I think it was 2019 um, it, or uh, yeah, 2019, if you really looked at the numbers and did the close comparison, but Justin Verlander was the guy there and he had been the guy there um, for the year prior. Um, and then you look at kind of how he's, ad- and then he's asked to come to the biggest market with the greatest spotlight and carry this pitching staff. So the task has not been easy for Garrett Cole, but you look back on the signing and the way that the Yankees paid for him and um, the countless other guys that they've passed on um, in off seasons prior, you're just like, this was the guy and this was the contract. Like how do you spend this much money and believe it's a sure thing when you don't really have much evidence that it will be a sure thing. Um, and the last two years of Colt, look, 2020 shortened season. He largely pitched great that year. You know, un, he fell victim to untimely stuff. The the home run to Austin Meadows in the playoffs. Um, he was pitching great in that ALDS game five. Um, the offense didn't pick him up. Um, and the offense at times over his, I think um, I, I did the math like last week in 17% of his starts this year, he's uh, in, in ones that he's given up one or fewer, one or zero runs. Um, the offense has lost those games or the Yankees have lost those games. So the offense is screwing Garrett Cole to an extent. However, last year, Garrett Cole had seven starts where he gave up three or more runs in a single inning. This year, he has four starts of giving up four runs in a single inning, and that's the most of his career with any team. So talk about the sticky stuff all you want. I think we can all agree Garrett Cole is still an ace-like performer. He still has the stuff to mow down opposing lineups to – be that, you know, that ace starter in a playoff game, in a winner go home game. He's just yet to put it all together and fully prove it, which, you know, time's ticking. He's not getting any younger. He still has to make that, you know, kind of reputation for himself because he's yet to do it. And he's, you know, he's kind of later in his career. He's got, I would, I don't know if he has a whole lot of prime left. Um, I think he's 31 years old at this point. If I could just check baseball, baseball yeah. He's uh, he's turning 32 very soon. So I don't know how much longer it, you, you never know how much longer it can last for these guys. Um, but that's been my biggest beef with him so far. Like you have the Billy Crystal thing. You have the constant getting your ass kicked by the Red Sox. Um, you have giving up the untimely home run to Austin Meadows. I know it was I know you pitched largely a great game outside of that context. But what is the what is the one Memorable thing from that game outside of Aroldis Chapman blowing it in, you know, in the bottom of the eighth to Mike Brasso, it's Garrett Cole giving up that home run to Austin Meadows. Um, and there's just, and you have his career worst start against the Tigers this year, one and two thirds inning, shortest start of his career, like most, it was crazy. Um, so it's this stuff that keeps building up, but he's got the most starts. He has the most innings pitch. He has the most strikeouts. So the, the talent is there. It's, I think the mental edge needs to come through. And that's what Yankee fans are missing so so far at this point. Um, from an outsider looking in, I don't know if that's the vibe you get, but that's my that's my you know spark notes of Garrett Cole thus far. Yeah, the number one thing that would piss me off as a Yankee fan is the Red Sox starts. Like, oh my god, I don't, care. I don't care who you are. If I'm a Yankee fan and you're starting against the Red Sox and you're the ace, this big contract, you got to perform. That's it. Like, I need Max and Jake to perform against the Braves and the Phillies, no matter what. Like that's bare minimum. Um, so that type of stuff would piss me off internally if he just kept getting tagged up every single time. Obviously, the the playoffs last year were, you know, an anomaly, but it or not an anomaly, but just like that's baseball, right? Yeah. You can't really hang your hat on it or just wallow in your sorrows and be like, oh man, like 
all of that just for one game, well, that's baseball, and we don't have to deal with that anymore because the playoff system is completely different now. But, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, maybe you could say he can't stand the pressure. Uh, maybe he'd benefit from having another big name in the rotation to kind of take some of that spotlight off of him. Yeah. Like, who expected Nestor to be this sick this year, right? Um, and to, you know, if he can maintain it down the stretch, because obviously he's going to career numbers and innings pitch and stuff like that. But – you know, bringing in Montas, who was the last of that A's rotation to be traded away, right? Obviously, yeah. we got Bassett first, which was huge. Manaya went to the Padres, and everyone was like, well, will the Yankees make a move for Montas? And they did. It just happened to be at the trade deadline. And then you couple in all the anger that I saw from you and uh, from you and Adam being like, why is Monty going? Why are we getting rid of Monty? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense at all. Um and, and then obviously all the Domingo Herman stuff where it's just like, okay, what are we going to get out of him and everything else that goes on with Domingo Herman? Um, I'm sure he feels like he's got to take a lot of the, the weight onto yeah. his shoulders. Um, and couple that with just being, you know, the ace for the New York Yankees. It's, it's a lot. So I will give him that benefit of the doubt, but also at the end of the day, it's professional sport. You have to perform. If you're not coming to the ballpark as the ace for the New York Yankees, to go six, seven, eight, nine, shutty, whatever you're going to pitch, you have to put your position. You have to put your team in a position to win, no matter what, in that in that role that you are in. So, I get it. I I relish the fact that as a Mets fan, I've always seen amazing starting pitching, um, especially in the last five to six years, like the Harvey Wheeler, Noah, um, yeah, Degrom, Mats. I mean, which rotation only pitched. One, two, three, four, five, once in their entire time, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, I grew up watching Pedro as a Met, you know, Glavin, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's got to suck because I'm not saying that the Yankees haven't had amazing starting pitching, especially they haven't you know, 2000s, 2010s. But even oh, like, yeah, you, know, you grew up with like early, you know, and, and yeah, 2000s. I mean, look, you had 09 where they they went and they splurged and it worked out for them. And then after that, it was kind of a disaster. And then Tanaka comes and Tanaka was supposed to be better. And then he has the UCL tear. And then it's not the ace that you were envisioning. And it's not the, you know, the staff that you were envisioning. So then you kind of lose, you know, you lose steam. And the Yankees never had the depth that they needed. Um, but I think a big element to pitching is the mental game. Um and the, this Yankees team constantly has issues with, you know, dealing with the media or, you know, evoking the proper emotions to kind of get out of a funk. You know, a, a team who is on paper as good as the Yankees were. The Yankees started the season 50 and 17. You understand how good that is, people? 50, 5-0 and 17, and they are 74 and 48 right now. Um, so they had a leg up. If they didn't have that stretch in the beginning of the season, who knows where the hell they are at right now. Um, and quite frankly, it's taken too long for people to kind of show or players on this team or people in the organization to show, show the frustration, which we'll get to Cole in a minute. But first, after that Cole start on Saturday came Aaron Boone, who was pissed, um, you know, the night before he comes out and he's talking about how the Yankees should be ticked off. And it's like, yeah, dude, of course they should be ticked off. They're playing the worst baseball of anybody after playing the best baseball of anybody. So you have a tale of two seasons here. And you didn't ride the high good enough. And now you're falling into this bottomless pit and there's no escape. And you should have personalities on this team. You should have leaders on this team that stop something 
like this in its tracks. And that's why I was telling Max guys before we went live that watching the captain right now, if you guys have started watching the captain um, on ESPN plus is disheartening because you saw the team that Derek Jeter cultivated, you know, you saw, um, you saw the culture that was there even, and this was, and don't forget the Yankees were bad for over a decade up until 1995 very bad team. And Derek Jeter was able to kind of cultivate this winning, um, this winning mentality. And he had guys fall in line and there is value to that. Um, Joe Torrey let, you know, Derek Jeter talked about how Joe Torrey let every player be themselves. And, you know, he would have a system of checks and balances where, you know, someone was getting out of hand, he would handle it. But otherwise the roster was full of personalities. He had Daryl strawberry on there, you know, kind of being the enforcer, um, it, it was really cool stuff and it's really cool stuff to watch, but now you're looking at the dichotomy of that and how the Yankees are kind of handling the success and the pressure this year. And it's night and day and it's not fun to watch. But anyway, finally, Aaron Boone loses his cool. He slams his hand down on the press table, um, says it's right in front of us. And he just, and he gets mad for like 0.5 seconds. And then he just goes, you know, he went bipolar and now he's back and he's like, and it's right in front of us and everything's fine and everything's going to be good. Right in front of us. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. And even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Flips out. Levitates the water bottle. The memes up until this point have been absolutely hilarious. The one with, uh, um, what's that song by Gwen Stefani or yeah, 
You know that song with the bumps? Oh, uh, it's good. Yeah, a hollaback girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking tremendous. Anyway, the memes from that have been great. Will this light a fire under the Yankees? I have no idea, but they win the next game. Um, the next day, um, which was yesterday, uh, Nestor Cortez was on the mound and now I'm thinking, and this will be a podcast discussion for next episode. Could Nestor Cortez be the game one playoff starter? Probably worth discussing. If you need to get off to a fast start in a series, you absolutely need to win the game one. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe you face a a, a lefty-heavy lineup and you determine that's the move. Anyway, Yankees win on Sunday. It is not without controversy, however, for the second day in a row. Um, This one was uh, uh, Alec Manoa, who has largely had his way with the Yankees um, up until these last couple months, versus Nestor Cortez. Um, Yankees get a huge hit from Andrew Benintendi, two-run go-ahead homer. That ends up deciding the game. Um, but earlier in the contest, Alec Manoa hit Aaron Judge with a pitch on the first pitch of the at-bat, um, and the Yankees were not happy about it. Uh, there was a runner on second, so it was a runner in scoring position situation. First base was open, so many were sitting there saying, oh, they obviously don't want to pitch the Judge, so maybe they hit him. Alec Manova said he didn't need to hit him. Him and Judge cleared it up, whatever, whether it was intentional or not. You could see why anybody on the Yankees would be upset about it. You hit the team's MVP. You hit the AL MVP at this very moment. Um, and, you know, in a, in, a, in a situation where the Yankees cannot afford to lose one more player. If they lose one more player, it's going to be a, a spiral for the ages. So Garrett Cole leaps out of the dugout and starts yelling at Manoa's direction. He's got coaches and umpires blocking him from, you know, going closer onto the field. Um, and then you have this situation in the post game where Cole's asked about it, two minute interview saying that, you know, the Yankees were getting buzzed frequently and it was unfair and it's, you know, not how you play the game, all understandable stuff. Um, and then they ask Alec Manoa how he felt about Cole shouting at him. And Alec Manoa said, if Garrett Cole wants to start something next time, he can walk past the Audi sign, which was the nice little advertisement on the field right before the, uh, right before the uh, foul line. So if Garrett Cole really wanted to start something per Alec Manoa, he would have charged the field and done something. Yes, you're right, Alec. You are totally right about that. Um, is Garrett Cole going to start a brawl um, after, you know, Aaron Judge was hit and the Yankees needed a win? I don't think so. I think he was trying to do just enough. And, hey, I'm a big Garrett Cole critic. I think this was awesome, even though he didn't incite, you know, a brawl. Because it's funny, you watch the Armando Benitez footage from years ago and Terrell Strawberry would not let up. And he started that entire, Graham Lloyd comes out of the bullpen. Everything is hell breaking loose. So it was nice to see Garrett Cole, who's usually reserved, um, usually stumbles over his words in post games and isn't exactly inspiring, come out and he's talking shit to Manoa. So I'm cool with it. If Alec Manoa thinks that the next step is Garrett Cole fighting him, then so be it. Also, if you're taking any exception to Cole's words, you can also go closer to the dugout. You know, we've seen Amir Garrett do it, charge a dugout and fight three people. So you know, if you feel like you're being subjected to words you don't want to hear, then feel free, Alec. You you have the floor. Um, funny enough, though, about this encounter, Max, I don't know if you saw, earlier in the year, Jays were at Yankee Stadium. Um, by the way, Alec just might be a little bit whiny because the last three games he's pitched against the Yankees, the Blue Jays have lost. They won the first three he pitched, and now he's in a little bit of a spiral. Um, so April 14th, Yankees-Jays at the stadium. Luis Severino's on the mound. Um First inning, he hits uh, Lords Gurriel Jr. with a pitch. Completely nothing, nothing like obvious, nothing intentional. It was just a hit by pitch. Um, Alec Minow was chirping from the dugout. 
saying, you know, defending Guriel Jr., who, by the way, is like the fifth or sixth best hitter on the Blue Jays. You know, he's not Aaron Judge. So Alec Manoa is, is you know, chirping for a, in a situation that is of much lesser magnitude. And then Luis Severino looks over and he essentially is like, all right, dude, let's go. Let's go. Garrett Cole pops out of the dugout. He starts yelling at the Blue Jays dugout, starts talking shit. Manoa doesn't do anything. Manoa sits there, doesn't move a muscle. So Manoa is going to, I guess, conveniently forget about the fact that he incited trash talking three months ago, didn't respond when he was called out by two players, and now is faulting or, you know, talking more trash to Garrett Cole after, you know, everybody's went into their respective clubhouses trying to incite some sort of, you know, build the tension up more. I don't know what his end game is, but you had that incident in April and it's like, dude, you're phony. You're fake tough guy. Come on. I mean, I don't, what are you trying to do here? So um, at the very least, the positives I got from this series, even though there are none, the Yankees lost the series. They lost three out of four. The, they lost uh, two games on the division lead. It's eight now instead of 10. You have Aaron Boone getting pissed and you have Garrett Cole, you know, ready to ride or die at this point um, because of the frustration that's boiling over. And maybe this awakens something in the Yankees. I don't know. Um, But you tell me, man, you've been watching the Mets this year. There's clearly been a shift in culture. There's been a shift in attitude. There's been a shift in morale. How has, you know, the Steve Cohen era, has it enlightened guys? Has there been, you know, have there been more fun quotes? Are there players speaking up more? Um, is there, uh, is there, you know, a, a, a shorter leash for unacceptable performances? Is there a fun celebration of victories? Whatever it is, tell me, because with the Yankees, it seems like they don't celebrate the wins, you know, uh, emphatic enough. And then they let these long stretches of play leak into their DNA and continue much longer than they have to. And I'm not getting that vibe from the Mets. So I don't know if things have changed over there. I, I mean, year two compared to year one is a complete different just team. And I mean, you would expect that. I mean, the, the off season that we had Scherzer, uh, Bassett, Marte, Canna, uh, Escobar, and then the moves that we made at the trade deadline with Vogel back and, and Naquin, who I, Naquin was my favorite pickup from the get-go, even though I love Vogel. Um, Darren Ruff. Uh, last year we were hanging the, oh, our team chemistry is great. 2021 banners, you know, like, it was a bunch of talk about how our vibe in the in the clubhouse is great, and we had you know last year you know you talk about the the Manoa Severino stuff and and Cole uh, Alvarado and Dom Smith went at it last year, and Dom Smith was like, "You can meet me in the tunnel." And oh yeah, I that. and I'm like, like fuck yeah, Dom, like go for it, like let's you know let's make the Phillies Mets rivalry like spicy again because it was it was dying. It was just like, two teams who were just watching the Braves walk away with division title after division title. Um, but this year, it all boils down to me for Buck. Like, there's no there's no season that, that we're having this year without Buck. Um, it's the first time since I love Terry Collins, but, like, Willie Randolph, where, like, I looked at a manager in the clubhouse, I'm like, cool, like, I trust that guy to lead the team. And I'm a Jets fan, too. And I haven't loved the Jets head coach since Rex Ryan. Like, I know what it's like to watch bad managers or yeah. coaches of professional teams. And Buck is the X factor all year long, getting, you know, putting people in the position to succeed, getting huge performances out of people that you would not expect. Like, we took three or four from the Phillies and we lost a David Peterson game, but we won a game started by Trevor Williams, 
who's been awesome as a long man out of the pen, and Jose Buto making his major league debut. And the Phillies had Kyle Gibson, Aaron Nola, and Zach Wheeler going. After we just lost three or four from the Braves, where we lost Carrasco in Taiwan in the second inning in back-to-back games, and we lost a Jake start, I'm like, great, this is it. Like, This is where the spiral starts to happen. We're going to lose three or four here, then we're going to lose three or four here. And then it's going to be half a game lead. Who knows what happens? We don't play the Braves till the end of the year. But that's not the team with Buck. And when I look at Boone and going back to the whole slamming his hand on the desk, and it's right there in front of us. I look at Boone, and whenever I see Boone trend, he's either yelling at umpires, arguing balls and strikes, or he's got some kind of post-game press conference going on. And you and I both know, and all sports fans know, especially New York, Winning shuts everybody up. You win, nobody chirps. Nobody complains about anything, et cetera, et cetera. I've complained about Bucks in-game management maybe once or twice this year. One of the games I was at, we were getting stomped by the Brewers. I'm like, fuck, what are you doing? Um, tell me, for, like, I haven't watched every Yankee game this year, but have there been decisions where you've heavily criticized Boone? I know the front office, and I listened to the past couple episodes, like the front office bullpen management is like the Marinaccio stuff is kind of inexcusable. But like in terms of like in-game management for the first half of the season, is there any been anything that's like super egregious to the point where you're like, what, why is this guy still here? Cause we all thought he'd be fired at the end of last season. Yeah. I mean, I think last year you could sit here and you can count double digit games that Aaron Boone was at fault for, for the Yankees losing this year. I mean, I am, I've been overly critical about Aaron Boone for now. This is, I mean, I haven't been critical this year, but the last two and a half years, absolutely. Um, I haven't seen anything this year that's been absolutely egregious. There's been a couple of bullpen things where you're like, okay, why was that the move? Um, Nothing immediately comes to mind, especially recently. Uh, Fans get mad at him for using Chapman. He has to use a role Chapman or old Chapman's on the roster and he's a reliever. So there's, you, you don't really have any choice. Um, once again, my beef with this, Adam's beef with this is I think it's the most valid. He just thinks Boone is not a good motivator and he doesn't get the most out of his players, which we will never know if it's true or not until, you know, the doc comes out in 10 years about why this team sucked ass way more than it should have. Um, so uh, it, it's hard to put a finger on it. Um, but yeah, you have these post-game pressers where um, they're largely vanilla you need you need a you need a, a situation of this magnitude, you know, where the Yankees are, you know, they were I think at that point twenty three and thirty two since the middle of June, um, relinquished the lead on the AL, watching the AL East division kind of uh, the lead crumble a little bit, um, and then having to answer question after question. Hmm, how do you feel about the lead? How do you feel about this team's playing? And now he finally loses it, and it takes that long for him to you know get kind of pissed. And I think that is kind of the problem. We haven't seen a stretch, I don't think, from the Mets where it's been anywhere close to this egregious where Buck kind of has to lose his cool. Um, I don't know. You tell me. Um, no, Buck loses his cool whenever our pitchers get hit. Um, yeah. They started doing, like, the Kill Bill thing. With yeah, the it's funny. Every time a pitcher gets hit on SNY, and I'm like, okay, like, Pete just got hit, like, near the head. Can we, like, make sure he's okay before we go, like, full Tarantino? Yeah. With the yeah. like SNY's production is fucking awesome, but like, is Pete okay? I've seen way too many Mets get hit in the face this year after last year when Pilar got hit in the nose. Oh my god, was, yeah. I'm just like, 
dude, between Pete and, and Lindor in the first national series, both getting plunked in the face. I'm like, okay, like that's when he gets angry. Yeah. Um, there was one post game. Uh, Nito was up hitting in the bottom of the ninth, I think with the, the tying run on second or something like that. And he didn't pinch hit Nito for, uh, or with like McNeil or something. And uh, I don't remember who the reporter was, but Buck got grilled in the post game. It was like, so it was better to p- leave your catcher with an injured hand in batting than pinch hitting with somebody. And like, cool. Like that's, you know, one of the big flubs of like two or three, like I said, that Buck has done yeah. this year. And I'm not going to complain about bullpen management, especially with our bullpen. Our bullpen is hit or miss, you know, 70% of the time outside of Edwin. Um, but it's not like extremely unwatchable as a lot of Twitter wants to make it seem like. Um, and I can't complain with bullpen management because that's baseball. Um, yeah. But it's not like it's not like Louis Rojas last year where Louis was a great guy. And I don't know anything. I want to ask you about how Louis is doing as the third base coach, right? I think he's but, fine. Yeah. Um, Obviously, a lot of emphasis has been put on Joey Cora this year because he just sends runners. Like, he doesn't know what a red light looks like. He couldn't pick it out of a crowd. It's just <laughs> fuck, green. Go, 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 no matter what. Um, but, you know, Louie last year, when the team wasn't winning, you know, the team got light, has likable players on it. I mean, obviously, Lindor was a huge focus of a lot of the Mets' mire last year. Um, but Louie was taken over for a job that, Beltron lost because of probably the biggest cheating scandal in professional. He was always going to be criticized and and put under a microscope more than any other manager because he was taking over for Beltron. But I don't I don't worry about Buck. Buck will put the players in the best position, and it's such a it's such a like ease off of my mind. I don't have to worry about anything. The team will go as far as it takes it because Buck will put it in the right position to succeed. With yeah, Boone, I mean, like, I think, I I don't know. I, it's hard to say, like, with a better manager, would the Yankees be better? It's baseball at the end of the day. You put the lineup card out. Exactly. Like, so, um, at the start that they got at, it's like, how, does he have credit in the bank this year for the rest of the season? If, say, say you lose in the CS or you lose in the World Series or whatever like that, do you bring him back next year or is he gone no matter what? I mean, he's probably staying. It's a four-year contract. I mean, look, Aaron Boone, Yankees managers, right? They need to handle the media, which I think Boone ju- does generally well. Although it's boring, you'd like to see a little bit more fire with a team that has greater expectations on it. Um, but what's a manager supposed to do when you have the resources the Yankees do or the Dodgers do or the Mets do um, or like the Red Sox do? All a manager needs to do is just not shit the bed in big moments or just do make better decisions when you're called upon than not. Um, so that's where I think Boone needs to create a little bit more. You know, that, a, that's where Boone needs to create more of a narrative and show that he can, you know, manage a bullpen better in the postseason, put better lineups together in the postseason, motivate his players more or better in the postseason. Um, and then I think that's where Yankee fans kind of like they're chanting fire Boone at the stadium the other night. You think Aaron Boone's the problem with the New York Yankees? I mean, Hey, discussion to have, if you want to have it, but you don't think like everybody else sucking and Brian Cashman's terrible depth 
um, additions in the offseason and Brian Cashman's terrible decisions to call up or not call up certain people is what's making this team bad. Aaron Boone has only so much influence over what he's being given. And yes, it's a complicated conversation because, okay, here's what he's given. Theoretically, he should make the most out of it. Then again, for a team like the Yankees, he should be getting better things and better players and better stuff. And it doesn't seem like he's getting that. Um, you, demo, you know, for example, demoting Ron Marinaccio, who was your hottest bullpen pitcher at the time, disadvantages Aaron Boone, whether you want what, however you want to put it, acquiring Frankie Montas and trading Jordan Montgomery hurts Aaron Boone, Frankie Montas. You look at his stats. He is successful in the Oakland Coliseum and literally nowhere else. So you just essentially made the rotation worse and you got rid of a left-handed pitcher, which is extremely valuable. Um, you got rid of Joey Gallo, which, hey, great, but guess what? You acquired Andrew Benintendi, who is not a versatile defender, and then it forces you to maximize theoretically, which happened up until a couple of days ago, Aaron Hicks in the lineup, and then you have to make another drastic decision and promote Estevan Florial because Aaron Hicks is so bad. So the, a lot of the things, yes, we can blame Boone for um, – you know, maybe not being a little bit more creative with bullpen usage in the postseason or um, not motivating his team a little bit more in the postseason. Um, but it falls on, I think, a lot of the roster construction and the players. Like, what do you want Aaron Boone to do in the playoff losses? Aroldis Chapman should simply get the outs, but he doesn't do it. So what do you want him to do? Not pitch Aroldis Chapman? Okay, great. Well, guess what? If the guy that he replaces Aroldis Chapman with doesn't succeed, then his ass is on the line. Then Aaron Boone's ass is literally over the fire because then everyone's like, well, you had the, you had the closer, you had the best closer to do it. And you didn't, and you didn't do it. You brought in somebody else. And then, you know, it's a complicated discussion, but I think at this point, maybe Aaron Boone is not the right manager for the resources and for what um, the front office can provide him. You could, we could sit here and talk about the Yankees payroll all day. Oh, it's high. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Yeah. But the money's been allocated poorly. I love Giancarlo Stanton. You traded for Giancarlo Stanton when you didn't need Giancarlo Stanton. You needed pitching. You needed two pitchers. Instead, you acquired a $325 million contract for a guy who mostly plays DH and up, you know, has mostly been injured throughout his Yankees tenure up until this point. His absence at this point has, has cratered the Yankee season. And that's another indictment on Brian Cashman, in my opinion. If Giancarlo Stanton is this integral to your lineup, then you didn't build a good enough lineup. You know, the, a team should be... You look at a team like the Astros, right? And I'll talk about this until the cows come home. The Astros lost Carlos Correa and maybe have gotten better. The Astros lost Michael Brantley and are still fine. They managed to fill the gaps in whatever way possible. The Yankees lose one or two pieces of puzzle and the entire fucking ship goes down. And whether that's, you could, you know, you could blame a manager for that if the correct pieces were there, but it doesn't seem like the correct pieces are there. And to me this season, Aaron Boone has not done enough bad to suggest that he needs to go. Um, Maybe if he does go, Adam was telling me over the weekend, there are corners of major league baseball where Aaron Boone is fired, right? Like if the Phil, you know, look at Joe Girardi and the Phillies, Joe Girardi was given Marquee free agent signing after marquee free agent signing after top prospect promotion after top prospect promotion and bullpen edition after bullpen edition, and he couldn't do anything with it. The Angels got off to a fast start and then witnessed a stretch that you would never believe, and the Angels said, you know what, Joe Madden, you're gone. Chris Woodward of the Rangers 
was unable to turn around this rebuild after being given a multitude of big free agent signings. And though the optics there are a little bit fishy because I think the Rangers still have a long way to go, it's clear that there is a certain point where other organizations get frustrated with the leadership in the dugout where they're saying, you know what, not worth our time. Now been five years of there, but this is the fifth year with Aaron Boone. The Yankees seem to be content with it. I, the Yankees don't like turnover like that. Um, you know, you kind of know that for a fact, looking at their managerial history over the last couple of decades. But I don't know. I think it's a complicated conversation. I think that they probably should assign Buck Walter, And I think that's why heading into this Subway series, we have Mets fans who are overzealous talking shit, which, you know, you kind of can't blame them for. Um, and you have the Yankees. And you want to talk about the Yankees not only putting Aaron Boone in a bad spot, they're putting me, the guy who has to do this podcast twice a week in a bad spot. You want to know why? <laughs> Because because they fucking line up Degrom, uh, the the Yankees line up Domingo Herman to start against the Mets twice against Max Scherzer, and you have the Mets lining up Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom for this series. And the Yankees and Mets do not have a rivalry. You will never convince me of it. I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. They play four to six times a year. It's an inner city rivalry. It's a spectacle for MLB. It's a fun thing for fans to talk shit about and have a good time with, and then be done with it. These games dictate nothing of either of either team's success they dictate nothing of what the rest of the season is going to kind of uh, or how the rest of the season is going to unfold but you have a team like the Yankees who have even when the Mets made the made the World Series you know the Yankees still had the narrative of being the better team they had won more recently they hadn't had a losing record you know they haven't had a losing record under Cashman um they haven't, I mean, you know, quite, they haven't had a losing record since 94, I think, or 93. Like, I don't even remember what it was. Um, but it's been an incredible track record where you're sitting there and you're like, you know, the Yankees, whether you believe it or not, are, are you know, statistically the better team. They've had more success. They've had a reason to um, be given that upper hand. Um, and I think Steve Cohen, I don't think he's actively gunning for the Yankees. I think him and Buck understand the assignment. They know that we need to create buzz. We need to get our fans excited. We need to put pressure on the team that has kind of ran the city for so long. And we're going to do it at every, every opportunity we can city field packed those two nights when the Yankees are going. Um, and now you line up to Grom Scherzer at Yankee stadium. This puts Yankees fans in a bad position because then you have Mets fans that are like, Oh, good luck this week. And it's like, yeah, good fucking luck to me. I don't know what we're going to do. I have no idea what's going to happen. They're play, Yankees are playing the worst stretch of baseball in 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 for the last two months. And what do the Mets do? They counter with the two best starters in the National League to further the, see. Like the the Mets aren't saying, "Oh, it's a good opportunity." You know, maybe rest, maybe rest Degrom. He threw ninety five pitches in his next start. Maybe we'll bump him on, or maybe you know, give Max Scherzer a breather. Maybe he needs one. I don't know. I haven't been watching a ton of Max Scherzer this year, but I know his last start against the Braves didn't entirely go well. Doesn't matter. Still lining up these two guys to face the Yankees. And now I have to deal with Mets fans telling me that my team sucks and they're not wrong. But I also don't want to point at a Mets fan and be like, hey, man, like talk to me about the last 30, 40 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I that's why I hate Internet sports arguments, especially when it comes to like my teams or like with Braves fans or Phillies. So I don't engage with any of it because it's just like I'll just use my Twitter account to shout players names into the nether. Whenever someone does something cool, I'm like, cool, Brett Beatty, home run. No likes, no retweets, nobody gives a shit, right? <laughs> like, this is how I know how all arguments are going to go for my fan base online. Yeah. It's, 
oh, we own you. Oh, we took three of four. We beat you. Where's your World Series? Were you alive in 1986? How about 1969? No? Okay, cool. How about watching your team win a World Series this you know, millennium? It's like, I don't need to prescribe to all that. And as far as like Yankees fans, it's like 27 rings, da 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 da. And like, it's why internet sports arguments are like the like most annoying thing for me on the internet. It's just not worth partaking in. Do I love that my team has the richest owner in baseball? Like, to make like a, a, a Premier League analogy, I feel like a Manchester City fan. My club, who has been largely irrelevant, but is my favorite team outside of two years in you know, the last century and this year or this century where we, I, Carlos Beltran stared at a, at a call strike three curveball from Adam Wainwright and we lost to the death by contact Kansas City Royals with like one of the best bullpen yeah. in, in like MLB history. Those are the moments I have, right? Oh, I had Noah and, and Bumgarner dueling in a wild card game, which was awesome. And then we just lost because it was unlucky. Um, but now I have the richest owner in baseball who bought the best starting pitcher on the market, mm-hmm. who I watched dominate us for, you know, a division rival for however many years. Um, I have arguably top three. I think I think Buck's the best manager in baseball right now. Um, I have an awesome closer who went from zero to hero in, in New York, which is very, very difficult to do. Um, compared to last year where the whole Javi Baez, Lindor, thumbs down thing dominated headlines for however long, right? Um, I'm just, I look at the series as like, it's not even like Mets, Yankees. I'm just like, cool, go in there, take two, go home. And, you know, go into Wednesday with a day off and, and get ready for what's going to be, I think, the third easiest September out of any team in the league. And like, let's just lock up this division. Let's go wire to wire. You know, watch whatever we got to watch. I would love to see the Padres go out in the wild card round after all that talking and then the Tati stuff getting Soto. Like, AJ Preller loves to blow up the farm and loves to extremely underachieve. And I don't prescribe to any of the, the stuff that's been going online where it's like you watch a bad bullpen outing from somebody and it's like, Billy Epler, why didn't you get that lefty reliever that was supposed to close game six of the NLCS when there's two men on? I'm like, you're planning for a far-out scenario that you don't know is going to come. Like, for all I know, Max and Jake could shove eight every single start in the in the postseason, and it just and there's no issue at all. Or the team could implode. But Steve Cohen put out a two- to three-year timeline. Last year was a learning experience massively. The Javi Baez move, which is now the Trevor Williams move, because Trevor Williams has been great for us. Um, it, it was, you know, we thought we had something. Four games up, and then the Braves just caught fire, and the Braves won the World Series. I'm like, cool, I got to root for the cheaters, or I got to root for the division rival. Who am I going to, like, can both teams lose? Can <laughs> I watch Zach Wilson throw four interceptions to the Patriots? I can do that. Um, but I don't want to watch this World Series right now. So, yeah, I'm looking at his business, right? I'm just like, come in. Take two, the Yankees are down, and and let's move on and and play like I think the Dodgers are up next. So let's go play the Dodgers. I'm more excited about the Dodgers series than I am the Yankees series, where like, you know, every year for the past 10 years of my life, every time we won a Brave series, every time we won a Subway series or a Philly series, oh, it's our World Series. We did it. We won like eight World Series this year, apparently, according to Twitter. 
So, I, look, I'm excited for it. You guys are not – I mean, that's just the way of baseball. You're not really putting your best foot forward. Imagine yeah. if it was Cole versus Scherzer and Nestor versus DeGrom. Be a great time. That's, that's primetime baseball, right? Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I mean, Domingo didn't pitch too bad. The, the first subway series around. No, he was good. He was fine. But like, this is not, this is not how you prepare for a series against, you know, when, you know, the media is going to be rocking, you know, the media is going to have a lot to say, you know, fans are going to have a lot to say. And that's kind of the problem. Um, because there needs to be more of a, there's, it, it just doesn't seem there's a willingness or urgency for the Yankees to kind of, um, to make things happen. So like when we face you guys the first time, her mom was lined up to start against Scherzer and everybody was doing the mental math. And they're like, well, if they trade for Luis Castillo, he could start on Wednesday for Scherzer. And that would be, that would be sick. Um, yeah, that would be sick. That would be awesome. But it didn't happen. The Yankees, you know, got outbid. It was what it was, but that's the kind of move that you make to kind of, you know, get, get, get the gears going, get people excited. Not, you know, there was a big argument on Twitter. Um, uh, between a couple of folks, um, I don't need to name names, but uh, it was essentially about the first Yankees-Mets series and how the Yankees 
didn't really try or put their best foot forward, like you kind of mentioned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. – and then well, Mets and then, you know, certain Mets fans were like, oh, this is loser mentality and blah, blah, blah. Big argument, whatever. In the end, the Yankees fan perspective here is not wrong. It's not that the Yankees don't care about the Mets games. It's that the Yankees just don't do badass things anymore. They don't move the needle to, you know, alter the pitching schedule to face the best, you know, one of the best pitchers in the National League, which they could very well do. Um, at that point, um, you know, they came out of the break against the um, the Astros and Orioles before facing the Mets. Um, I don't know what could have kind of been done to alter the pitching schedule. Um, it was tough because there was a doubleheader against the Astros right out of the break when they should have had a day off. That was because of the MLB, you know, M- MLB lockout delaying the season. Um, but, you know, it's hard to, you know, convince – Yankees fans that you're being serious when you trot out, you, you do um, it was uh, Domingo Herman and Jordan Montgomery against the yeah. Mets and Jordan Montgomery, who I never really had a problem with. I thought he was a fine, okay pitcher. You just knew that that wasn't going to be enough to beat the Mets because he constantly coughed up, you know, th- razor thin um, leads and the Yankees offense never really gave him the run support that he needed. And then you have Domingo Herman making his second start, out of the break of the season against the Mets after getting creamed by the Astros. So you're like, what kind of vibes are we setting here? And then at this point, Stanton's out with the injury. Um, Michael King just broke his elbow in Baltimore. So you lost all these key pieces. And instead of kind of kind of trying to rally the troops for the Subway series, once again, even though it's not, even though it's more of a spectacle and it's not exactly, it's not a rivalry, it's not anything beyond serious, you know one of these games is nationally televised, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the Max Scherzer, Domingo Herman start. So you're putting Domingo Herman on national TV on your team that just suffered a number of devastating injuries that could alter the trajectory of the season, and it quite frankly has. Um, and it's just the wrong way to go about it. And Yankee fans are sitting there, and some of them are like, yeah, we don't care. Like, yes, generally I don't care. About, I only care about my division rivals and the Astros. I like winning baseball games. Yankee fans love winning baseball games, but you're not like looking at the calendar. You're like, Oh man, we got the Mets on August, uh, August 22nd. Can't wait to kick their ass. It's like not really doing that, but at the same time, like maybe let's not put out a dog shit lineup and starting pitchers who clearly don't have the edge in an inner city battle with one of those games being nationally televised like that. And then the argument persists of like, Oh, we weren't trying. And it's like, yeah, we weren't trying because we didn't give a shit. We weren't trying because the Yankees just don't do badass stuff anymore. And I think that's like the ethos behind it. Um, so now, you know, we're running back history. Montas has been awful for us. He's at, he had one okay start in Fenway. They ended up, they ended up taking that one. Um, but otherwise he's gotten rocked and now he's in, he's at city. Uh, he's at Yankee stadium where it, the ballpark is small. So I don't know how he's going to fare. Um, and you have Domingo Herman, who's been largely okay, but at this point, you need starting pitching for the Yankees to be outright dominant, and it has to be even more outright dominant if the way the Yankees' offense is going to be performing against Max Scherzer. Yankees' offense, let's see here. Yankees' offense has scored four, six, eight, scored eight runs um, over their past four games, um, so that's terrible. Um, and then they have that one eight run game against the Rays. And then before that they had scored one, four, six, 
nine over one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, over nine runs over seven games. So this offense is bad right now, downright bad. Um, And it's just, it's a vibe check. You know, the Mets are serious about winning regardless of who the opponent is. And the Yankees are willing to, you know, punt a series here and there. And that was the problem with 2021 too. There was a lot of series punting with Boone's lineups, which I think rightfully should have been taken into question. But now he just simply doesn't have the roster depth um, and the trade deadline. You know, look at the Mets right now. You want to talk about statements? The Mets trade deadline, we could talk about the trade deadline really quickly too. Everyone approached a trade deadline. There were only a handful of stars available and the prices were all escalated. The Yankees and Mets did not want to pay a premium for all these other players that these other organizations were willing to kind of part with prospects number one, three, and five for. And I don't fault teams for not doing that. But, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go bargain shopping, you better fucking get it right. And the Yankees didn't get it right so far. Montas, not that great. Andrew Benintendi has had his worst slide of the season since joining the Yankees. Um, Lou Trevino's actually been good for the Yankees, but Scott F. Ross, I think who is good, um, is uh, now dealing with shoulder soreness. And I just don't know if that was the guy to kind of replace the production lost from um, Michael King um, and Chad Green, guys who have pitched high leverage innings. Uh, Chad Green was pitching high leverage innings for years. Um, and Michael King, um, who emerges arguably the most important bullpen weapon for the Yankees this year. Um, so once again, two acquisitions there that didn't exactly replace the Yankees needs. Um, and then two other ones that were downgrade, you know, were bargain hunting down that you could have avoided if you had made smarter moves in the offseason or if you were just more aggressive at the trade deadline. And then you have the Mets who go out and get um, Vogelbach um, and uh, and Tyler Naquin um, and uh, uh, who else did they get? They got one other, right? right. Darren Ruff. Darren Ruff's the, and Darren that's, Ruff. the that's the DH platoon. Yeah, Ruff yeah DH platoon. Got exactly what they needed at the prices that they wanted, and all those guys are delivering. Um, so yeah, that, there's another vibe check. The Yankees just making the wrong moves and the Mets making the right ones, and I think that kind of defines what you know how we could see divergent paths over these next couple of months, and that's what pisses me off. Well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, look at the first series, right? The first series could have very well been a swept, a sweep in in your favor. I mean, on another day, maybe Rizzo doesn't swing at that uh, fourth pitch. And it's three and one, and he takes another pitch, and then that's a walk, and you walk around. Yeah. Or maybe Judge day, makes contact with a pitch. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean, he does tend to make contact with a lot of pitches, doesn't he? Um, but um, you know, maybe on another day that ball leaves the park, and it's a and Rizzo hits a grand slam on a on a three zero pitch. Yeah. Um, on another day, you know, p- whatever reason, putting David Peterson in as like, hmm, I wonder if that he's was weird. Setup. Yeah, I want a piece of the, the the missing piece here to connect us to Edwin Diaz. No, he is not. Tyler McGill will be. That is my bet. He'll be the the guy in the in the bullpen to lock us down end of the season, postseason. Um, but don't ever do that again. David Peterson giving up that two run bomb to Claver. I'm like, like every time something goes wrong for the Mets, it's just like PTS. It's like Vietnam in my head. I'm like, oh my god, everything's happening again. Everyone's gonna get hurt. The season's over, and I just like have to like reset myself because that's not the team anymore. You know, that's just not yeah. who this team is this year. Um, but I mean, also like who expected to get, I mean, like what Clay Holmes was last year's trade deadline, one of last year's trade deadline acquisitions yeah. with like Heaney and Gallo. Right. So, yeah. I mean, Clay Holmes has been great this year, obviously. Um, and Rizzo last year. Yeah. Rizzo too. Um, but Rizzo was a, it was a rental and then you re-signed him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, who could expect Matt Carpenter to have the season that he had? Uh, until no, I mean, yeah, you're right. But, but that's the thing. The, like a, a player like Matt Carpenter shouldn't be defining the Yankees' success. A player like Matt Carpenter right. should be a luxury off the bench. Instead, he was so integral to what the Yankees were doing. He got injured, and then the team fell fucking apart. So that's where you know that's where the that's where my problem comes in with the Yankees. Give him, give him the money that you're going to get judged. Like who knows? Maybe Matt Carpenter <laughs> deserves that eight year, three hundred million dollar deal. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look uh, again. It's I make another like uh, Premier League analogy for like those who who care about soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. Right? It's like the Mets feel like Manchester City. Who I mean, obviously we haven't won anything yet. Right? Let us get that first World Series under our belt. If he wins a World Series this year or next year, like, cool. I'll think things are changing. And the media can hype up narratives of, like, oh, we're going to give Scherzer the 3-140. And maybe, I think we give Jake, like, 2-100 this offseason, whatever it is, right? Right, It'd be awesome. Um, but, like, you know, the Yankees are, like, United, and the Mets are kind of like City. United, as the Yankees, like you say, like, you don't really care about these games. United never cared about this the Manchester Derbies. They just didn't. And then City started winning everything and the rivalry became hotter, right? The all the all we know of the Subway series is what when we were kids or when we were, you know, our parents telling us stories of Piazza and Clemens going at it or 2000 and you know, 2000 is really like the impetus of the Subway series hitting super mainstream media. Um and and New York kind of sports ethos with fans, right? So for me, whenever the Mets were awful, of course, we're going to drum up like, yes, this is our World Series. Like, I want to go there and beat the Yankees because we're not going to beat 90% of the other teams we're going to face. And it's going to be another failed season. And we'll watch the World Series with two other teams in it. And that'll be the end of it. But now we're good. We have an owner who wants to spend. We have a GM who went out and got pieces. Again, they, the whole robust market, lefty bullpen arm garbage. Again, if if a lefty reliever comes in and gives up three runs in the NLCS or the World Series and we lose that game, sure, let's come back to your point. But for now, I'm not going to get on Epler because of everything else that he's done so far this season, um, which is like kind of the thing with Boone. It's like I won't get on Boone that much. I love watching the whole like savages in the box and we got to do better. It's right in front of us. I love that because it's just it's good, fun, like Twitter material. I look at Cashman like if I'm Cashman. And, like, I don't want to make, like, George or Hal or whatever type of comparisons, right, with the Steinbrenners. But, like, you look like an idiot now, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, of giving Verlander 130. Just give him $30 million for the year. Yeah. He's the scion this year no matter what. Verlander and Cole, at the pace that you were on, it's like I look at our DH. If we had Vogelback and Ruff at the start of the year, we'd probably win 10 more games than we have right now. Like, I love Dom. Dom had a hot spring. He was terrible, and he's in Syracuse now. J.D. Davis, he was fun in 2019. I I future endeavored him last season. I was like, cool, pack your bags, you gotta go. Same thing with Conforto. Like, and I'll apologize for any Mets fan that ever thought Conforto was better than Aaron Judge because that's just a ridiculous take and just hilarious to look back on. Right? Um, never liked Conforto at all. Never was one of my guys. Really? But yeah, I can. I've never, never could stand Conforto. Like. You want to be behind the guys on your team, and I'll root the guys who ever put on the, the stripes. I won't ever boo people, especially in the stadium. That's just not not my MO when I'm at games. But I was just – I don't know. 
never that never looked at Conforto as like the guy. And especially watching Marte play right field for yeah. these two thirds, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what an amazing feeling it is to have Starling Marte play right field for the Mets. Another guy uh, the Yankees should have signed, versatile outfielder. All yeah. he cost was money, would have displaced Aaron Hicks quick, quickly, would have not have had them, uh, it w- could have allowed them to trade go- Joey Gallo sooner, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, Mets, a Mets move that was Yankees esque. Right. So I look at Cashman more as like, that's like the fall guy for me. If the yeah. season doesn't end up in a World Series, which we all thought it was going to, and you know, it's baseball. I think I was listening to the episode like two weeks out of the All-Star break from you guys. And it was like, you guys are playing at an ungodly pace. Is this a regression to the mean? Is it just sliding back or are we terrible again? Because I remember Yankees teams like two, three years ago where like, you know, there were like injuries left and right. One guy would go down. The next guy would go down. And next thing you know, you're playing the what, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, whatever, whatever your AAA yeah. team is. Right. And that's, yeah. that's who starts. Same thing with the Mets. We had Janesh Wee Fargus starting a game in center field last year. And legendary, legendary guy. But, you know, he, like that's just not what should be happening for a Steve Cohen-owned team. And yeah. granted, he's made all those changes this year. I look at Cashman, and I think he's the fall guy. And then I would assume that the GM just – Boone is just a victim of circumstance in that case, where the GM would want to bring in his own guy, unless it's like a guy who already likes Boone. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what people wanted. A lot of people don't like Cashman. I mean, Cashman's – here's the thing with Cashman. He's been here for a super long time, and the success has been minimal. Um, he uh, he took over the team in 98 when the foundation was already built. Yes, he made some ancillary moves and um, some other shrewd decisions to kind of make the team even better. But, you know, he wasn't tasked with building a roster from the ground up um, and then – the one World Series that he had that truly had his fingerprint on it, um, he got the green light to spend a half a billion dollars at offseason and free agency. So, look, championship, he won it, not really taking anything away from that, but there are circumstances here that are that prove that his success has been limited and that it's kind of um, – time may have run its course here. Because um, uh, Yankees just released their lineup, by the way. Glaber Torres is not in it tonight. Um, oh, let's see if the Mets got lineup out. Yeah, see if the Mets put theirs up. We'll do these as uh, as we wind down the pod here. But yeah, I think the imprint is on Cashman. The roster moves haven't been good enough. The aggression of free agency hasn't been there. The trade success. Yes, you can point to the diamonds in the rough. Clay Holmes, holy shit, that's a great. You know, you gave up nothing and you have an all star closer. Guess what? Um, there are seven other deals we can point to that didn't work out that were actually disastrous. They didn't utilize Lance Lynn. They didn't utilize Sonny Gray. Um, they gave Aaron Hicks a seven-year extension when he had one good year of baseball. They gave Luis Severino a premature extension instead of letting his arbitration years play out, which is something they never do. Um, watching the captain right now, Cashman and the Yankees had a dispute with Jeter in his year of arbitration. Jeter asked for $3.2 million, or I'm sorry, the team uh, – Jeter asked for $5 million. The team filed at $3.2. Um, this was after, like, the World Series winning season. Um and, you know, it created kind of a divide. And that's, you know, Cashman started there, creating that, potentially creating that divide. But the way that it's been, it's been it was kind of framed in the documentary. And I look at the judge situation. They tried to get the most money saved in the Aaron Judge situation. And now they're going to run into a problem where he's going to leave if the circumstances don't align as they should. Aaron Judge, in my opinion, has no reason to stay. 
absolutely no reason to stay unless they're willing to pay him the most. Where do you stand on that? Like, is it like a win World Series he'll stay, or like, do you think he's leaving no matter what, or he's staying no matter what? Is if as long as the front office does what it needs to do? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was he was staying no matter what, but now like you see how the front office treated you in the off season, whether you're able to put that behind you or not is one thing. You see how the front office like clearly doesn't make the right moves to put you and the rest of your teammates in a position to succeed. And I just don't know why you would want to be in a place that's not willing to pay you the most money and a place that clearly is not above and beyond a winner. Um, The difference with Jeter was, you know, the Yankees were above and beyond winning at that point. And yes, Jeter was probably the reason that they were winning because of his influence. Um, But you can at least stomach maybe getting underpaid or stomach having the team think you're worth less than you are if you're constantly winning. Um, so I don't really know. I just know Cashman hasn't really oversaw a lot of these situations in a positive manner. Um, I don't like the way he does business or like the front office or the organization at all does business, um, over the last like 12 or 13 years or so. Um, but enough about that. Let's talk about this lineup tonight. Ben Intendi, Judge, Rizzo, LeMahieu, Donaldson, um, Oswaldo Cabrera, Trevino, Isaiah Connor, Isaiah Connor Falefa, and Marwin Gonzalez is playing. Marwin Gonzalez, I think, Heading into this weekend, um, had uh, 10 or 12 at-bats since uh, July 24th. Um, so that should be really good, getting a guy in there who hasn't fucking played at all um, to face Max Scherzer. That that seems like a great idea. Um, did the Mets release theirs? No, no, but I can we can go over the lineup, and I could probably give you my projected lineup. For what the Mets who do you do. think? Uh, it should be Nimmo, Marte, Lindor, Alonzo. That's the top four. That hasn't changed all year. Um, okay. And then Vogie. Five DH. That's my guess. Uh, McNeil. I would move McNeil up. McNeil is red hot right now. I think he's yeah. batting like three twenty. Um, and he kicks like the a, Yankees' ass. He does. He's. I think he's like a three point nine F or B WAR right now. Um, and I love watching Louis Guillaume play. Like Louis's awesome. Yeah. Gold glove defense. But McNeil, this these past like ten or so games, as like. He's been unbelievable out there with the glove. Um, and he's back to his old self this year. Watching Jeff make me a last year was so painful. Um, that's one of my guys. Conforto, not a guy. McNeil, one of my guys. But um, I would move him up. Uh, I do like the fact, and we haven't had this all year since until we got Vogel back, there was no power protection behind Pete in this lineup. Yeah. Zero. So, like, if Nemo, Marte, and Lindor weren't getting on base – Pete's coming up, nobody on. And Pete's the most intentionally walked batter this year in the league. So uh, this lineup has been changed massively by just having Vogel back. Um, but, yeah, it should be McNeil. I would play Canna again. Um, Canna obviously coming off the big two-homer, five yeah, RB yeah. in a day. Yeah. Um, Buck's kind of gone with Naquin a bit. Naquin a victim of the Platinum Sobrero. Uh in game three of the Philly series and then, or maybe game two and then game three, I think he struck out like three more times. Um, he was getting up there with the major league record uh, for strikeouts in, the, in a row. Um, but Canna's got reverse splits. So I would still start Canna um, okay. and then I'd go Beatty. And then I would hope Nito is back. Maybe that's why the lineup is now yet because they're waiting yeah. to activate Nito and send uh, Michael Perez back down to uh, AAA. Or maybe DFA him. I don't know if he's got an option or not in his deal. But 
um, James McCann. Like, yeah, I no Tom Tomas Nito is our starting catcher, and I mean that goes down as one of the worst deals in Mets history. Is, yeah, is James McCann. He's great defensively. Yeah, He's like, no, I, I, there's no excuse for it because I watch one through eight take professional at-bats every time and, like, work counts, and that's our MO this year. Um, but, like, watching James is painful. I know he's been hurt a bunch. Great, great behind the plate. Tomas Nito, the Nito King, is my guy. So I would assume it's Nito. And then, or sorry, okay. Beatty, Beatty after Canna. Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what Brett the Met can do in his first All right. series. Those, those, well, there you go, Yankees fans. You got our lineup out. You have projected lineup from Mets fan extraordinaire, uh, Max Mallow. Um, that's going to be it for today's podcast. Uh, good luck to uh, Domingo Herman tonight against Max Scherzer. Good luck to Frankie Montas on Tuesday night against Jacob deGrom. Good luck to the Yankees offense against two of the best pitchers that we'll see in our lifetime. Um, I don't know if this Taiwan Walker thing is still going to change. Supposedly, if he was feeling better, he was going to pitch today or tomorrow, and deGrom would not. Um, but Max no. is shaking his head. No, no. Doesn't don't do it. Gonna be- either way, don't do it. Yeah. No, yeah. Either way. Exactly. Either way. Don't do it. That's, that's a Yankees move. That's a losing Yankees move that the Yankees would do just to like preserve innings or some bullshit. Um, but anyway, folks, that is it for today's edition of the Yanks go yard podcast. Thank God we salvaged that Sunday win. So this pod didn't have to be as negative and awful as they've been for what the past two months since mid June. Um, Grateful to have our guest Max on today, folks. Give him a round of applause, Max. By the way, where can the people find you on Twitter? Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, thanks. yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, Thomas said I'm a managing editor. Uh, my forte is gaming and esports, but diehard New York sports fan my entire life. Um, no, thanks for having me on. Uh, obviously, it was awesome filling in for Adam. I hope all the Yankees fans who tune in. I love listening to the show, so I, I watch more Yankees pods than I do Mets pods, which I find funny. But I'm just a huge baseball fan, so. I hope all the Yankees fans didn't find me too annoying. Um, but I also don't feel like I went there all that much. And I could have. If you got yeah, swept four good. games, I could have gone there. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, we're but, staring down the barrel of a, four, uh, of a 4-0 sweep here based on the pitching matchup. So you could have went there. You didn't. I, yeah, I didn't. Um, but, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at OddSlice. Um, that's mostly what I use. I'm, I'm on Insta. I don't use it. Don't even try to find me there. Um, no. No, but yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Strictly Twitter here. Don't mess with it. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can find the Yanks Go Yard podcast site at Yanks Go Yard FS. That's the official Twitter account. You can head on over to YanksGoYard.com. That's where all the content's at. We're churning it out for you. Negative, positive, mostly negative now, which is why, you know, we're getting a lot of readers um, over the last couple of months. We enjoy it. We want to hear more of the discourse. We want to hear more of what you have to say. Um, it's pretty good. Looks like Clark Schmidt is coming up. Holy shit. He has a locker at Yankee stadium. Just dropped. Um, wow. so that's, that's positive. Look at that. Um, but anyway, folks, be sure to, um, find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, um, reach out to us, uh, forget a mailbag question. Um, just talk to us. We want to have fun. Uh, Yankees Mets, um, will be tonight and tomorrow. Um, and then the Yankees head out for a West coast road trip. A's angels, Um, before returning back to the East Coast to take on the Rays. Um, I'm just, I'm praying for the best here. We don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully we have, uh, hopefully we have decent storylines to talk about on Thursday. Next time we talk to you, it'll be 2 p.m. Eastern live on YouTube. Um, Enjoy the Subway Series, folks. And 
don't be unreasonable. Just enjoy it and have fun. We'll see you on Thursday.